You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about Grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. So I'm Tommy, if we hadn't met. Uh, it's good to meet you guys. I- I'll tell y'all, um, this, like... How do I say? Writing messages for me is, uh, so I come up and I preach a sermon. Most of it is sort of part of what I do. And writing sermons for me is normally like kind of not, not easy um, because it's not easy, but it's, it's not what I would call the most challenging part of my job. Uh, the most challenging part of my job is probably, uh, you know, walking with people through death, um, walking with people through divorce and pain. And all the, those are the things that really, really sort of, those are challenging things. Uh, writing messages for me are actually kind of fun. Um, I've got a little rhythm. I come in on on Monday and I sit down and I write my sermon and then, you know, it takes me a little while and then I go out there and cry to Amber and Amber's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, because I just wrote my sermon and I love Jesus. And it's just this moment where I connect with God and it's super fun for me. And uh, so that's the way a normal week is for me. This week was different, man. There, there was something like I've just been laboring over, over what I was going to do. As a matter of fact, my original plan was not to preach at all. My original plan was just to come up here and read John 17, um, because this is probably my favorite part of the whole Bible. I mean, I love this, I love this passage so much. That was my original plan. And then God kept speaking. I probably read John 17, and you can open up to that in your Bibles if you want to follow. I've probably read it, I don't know, 10 or 15 times this week at least. I've listened to it multiple times. I've read it in different translations, and God just keeps speaking a word to me. And so um, I'm going to share a message, but we're going to spend a lot of time reading. But this one didn't come easy, and um, I think, but I think it's good. Um, I, I, I feel good about what God has asked me to say today, and I want you guys to know this. I'm going to say some things as, as I go into this message, and I have no agenda other than unity uh, my, my agenda for this is, and that's one thing I, I prayed like, God, I don't want a motive for this. I don't want an agenda. I want to make sure I'm clear of that. And I believe he's cleared my mind of those things. And so my prayer is that you will hear this with no agenda and no motive, just as people who desire to unite around Christ. So John 17, let, let, me, let me just start reading. And guys, this is so rich and so beautiful. It says this, John 17, 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given to him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you, I have, I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Man, that's good. So good. He says, this is life, that we would know Christ, and, and that is what life is. And, and as I was reading that this week and I was thinking about it, I was like, man, there's been so many times for me personally, maybe, maybe not for you, but I'm willing to guess it's for you too, so many times when I came to Jesus because I wanted something else. Right, like I come to Jesus and I say, you know, God, uh, I'm, I'm coming to you today and, and so that, you know, you'll fix this problem in my life or so that you'll give revival in the church or so that, you know, everyone will like me or so that, you know, God will fix all broken people or whatever. Like I'm coming to God asking him for something else. And as I've, I've prayed over this this week and as we've been through this series of John, what God keeps just showing me in my mind over and over is don't come to me because you want something else. I am the means, but I am also the end. We come to Christ for Christ. 
We come to God for God. We come to him because we want him. And until our motives are pure in that area, until we're coming to Christ out of a pure motive of just wanting Christ, we're never going to experience all the other things he has for us. Maybe some of you guys grew up in church and maybe you've heard this verse before and it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Does anyone know that one? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. I think until we get this, until we realize that, that Christ is the finish line, that it's not we come to Jesus so that he gives us a better marriage, or we come to Jesus so that he gives us better kids, or we come to Jesus so we'll have financial success. We come to Jesus so that we will have Jesus. Like today, we're, we're, we're going to share in communion together. And I love communion. Like I, I feel like I have a high view of communion. But I've always sort of seen communion as something we do to prepare ourselves for something else. Like communion is something we do to prepare ourselves to serve or to prepare ourselves to hear a message or prepare ourselves to worship. Like communion is this preparatory tool. And, and now I'm beginning to believe that communion is not something preparing us for something else. Communion is the finish line. The body and blood doesn't prepare us for anything. The body and the blood is everything. So today when we take communion, we do it not with a motive of being prepared for something else but simply with the motive of ingesting the body of Christ, that we would eat his flesh and drink his blood, and that that alone would be sufficient for us. And I think that's biblical, because if I want to experience all these other things, then my motive for the reason I come to the king has to be right. And I like that part of John 17, and I thought about it a lot, but man, this next chunk, uh, we're going to read like verses 6 through 24. This is is, and I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say this. I'm not exaggerating. This is not chicken soup for the pastor's soul. This is truth. Like, this passage has kept me awake this week. Uh, I, have not, I have not been sleeping. Um, last night, I woke up at like 2, woke up at 3. Night before that, same thing. I, this verse, and just it's resonating in my brain. And what it means for me and my ministry and this church and for you, I, I can't shake it. I wish I could because I like sleep, but... For some reason, God keeps bringing this thing to my mind. So John 17, uh, we'll start in verse 6. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that, that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I'll remain in you. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except for the one doomed to destruction so the scripture would be fulfilled. Coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated me. For they are not of the world any more than I am. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but you, that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, 
Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them my glory, the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you love me. Father, I want those you have given to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. I'm telling you, I can't shake it. There's something so gorgeous and challenging about this passage of scripture. And I've been, I've been like, for the last three weeks, we've been on this, we've been on John for, I don't know, eight or nine, 10 weeks, however long it's been. But the last three weeks, I feel like I've really been in the struggle of, of this passage, of this oneness, of this unity thing. First, so Jesus is praying this prayer. And, and y'all understand we just read the prayer of Jesus. Like Jesus is praying to God and he allowed us to hear it. And so, so he's praying and he asks for a couple things. In verse 11, he says, I want protection, protect them. Protect them so that they might be one, all right? Then in verse 18, he says, sanctify, sanctify them. To be sanctified is to be holy. It's, it's to be in a place in life where sin bothers you, uh, where sin is, is being removed from the church. He says, sanctify them. And then he goes on to say, I sanctified myself. We can't do that, guys. That's cool. He sanctified himself. Um, now he is making us holy. And so he's praying for that. And then he says, I pray for those who would come after the disciples. That means us. So he's praying for us. And what is he praying? That we would be one. He says, I pray that they would be one. And first he says, I pray that they would be one with me. In verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one with us as we are one, I in them and you in me. So Jesus is actually praying to God that you and I would have a supernatural unity with God, that we would be one with God. Like, something about that has wrecked me. Like, I, I think I've prayed it. When I think about God, I always see like um, a master-servant a master type relationship, maybe even a father-son type relationship. I always see, and those are good, and those are right, and those are righteous. But more than that, more, more than this master-servant, he wants a relationship where we are actually one with him, where there is so much unity between me and Christ that it's often hard for the world to tell the difference, that I look so much like God, so righteous and so holy, that when the world sees one of us, they, they think they might have just encountered God. Like, this is what he wants, a, a unity with us. We are one with him, where he shines through us, and we are reflections of God for the world. When you're praying, do you ever pray for that? God, make me one with you. I want complete unity between me and you. We don't ever pray for that. Maybe we should. Because to me, there's something incredibly gorgeous about that. But here, here's the one, guys, where I'm going to spend just a few minutes today. And this is the one, man, where I have struggled this week. Unity with each other. In verse 21, he says that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He's talking about us, the church, Christians, that we would be one, that our unity would be so powerful that when the world saw our unity, they would actually believe that God sent his son to save the world. So how are we doing on that one? Yeah, sort of the way I felt too. And like, I, I, I think, I think, I think I, the way I talk sometimes up here, I think people think that I'm trying to like water down their passionate positions. That, that like I don't take a stand on this position. Like I'm, I'm trying to tamp down whatever the thing is that you're passionate about. And I promise you that's not what I'm trying to do. There are passionate positions in this house. 
There are people in this room with passionate positions. And I get it. And I understand that there are people in this room who passionately believe in protecting the lives of the unborn. And, and I get that, guys. Uh, there are people, and I'm, I'm one of those people, you need to, I'm one of these people who believes that life in a womb is of great value and that a child is knit together in the mother's womb by the very hand of God. I believe these things. And I believe that, it, that we are created in the image of God. I believe that. And there are other people in this room who are passionate about that position. But there are also people who are passionate about women's rights. I mean, people who are passionately defending the rights of women right now. Because we live in a world where men still impregnate women and just walk away. We, we, we live in a world, y'all know there are two million abortions in this world that are forced abortions because a woman is pregnant with a girl? This happens in this world. You know there are parts of this world where, where spousal rape is still legal? This happens in this world. In, in this world, women are, are often oppressed, and, and, and there's massive portions of the world where they're undereducated, that there's sex trafficking. There's so many horrific things that happen to women in this world that when someone is passionate about the rights of women, man, e even, even if there's parts of their passion I disagree with, I can get it. I can understand it. There's people who are passionate about slavery in this world. Do you know there's more slaves in the world today than there have ever been in the world? There's 40 million people in the world living in slavery. And there are people who are passionate about this. And like, that's their energy and their call, and they're, and they're fighting against slavery. There's 815 million people go hungry every day. 815 million people go hungry every day. Nine million people this year will die from hunger. And there are people who are fighting that, right? There's people who are out there and they're passionate about that. And like, they are fighting that and that's good and that's righteous. There are 400,000 unwanted children in foster care in the United States. Do y'all hear that? 400,000 children sit unwanted in foster care right now. And in my opinion, that should burn our soul. That should hurt. And there's people who fight passion. My friend Deanna, she works for Safe Families and she's, Got a booth out there. I mean, they fight passionately to, to help keep kids out of the system and, and to protect single moms and, and babies. And man, she's a warrior. There's 552,000 homeless people in the United States. There's people who fight passionately. We have a group that goes out every Friday night and they feed the homeless people. Y'all know there's a suicide every 40 seconds in this world? Every 40 seconds, someone is so full of hopelessness that they actually take their own life. And there are people who fight passionately that that would never happen again. 150,000 people die every single day. And so 150,000 people every day will stand in front of a righteous God and they will either experience eternity with him or eternal separation from him. And I still believe that's true. I still believe that's the truth. And so there's people who fight passionately for that every day. And I, I don't, there's a million other things. There's addiction and there's marriage and there's all these other. And everyone has their passionate position. And so please don't ever hear anything I say is knocking a passionate position because I think God gave us passion. He created us as passionate people. But what I see in the world right now and what troubles my soul so much and what I've been trying to express, but I'm not doing a good job, is when, when we have, like you and I might share eight different passionate positions but because we have one that conflicts, we're going to bash each other publicly and devour each other on social media? 
We're going to even question each other's salvation because on one of those passionate positions, we have a differing view. If you think that sounds crazy, take a little Facebook stroll. You'll see it happening. People in the same church question the salvation of someone just because they don't share the same stance on one passionate position. And this, this is the world we live in. Listen, I know... Um, I've had conversations. I know people think I'm, I don't like take a side. I hear that. I hear that. I hear it from both sides, which is great because no one ever knows where I stand on anything, apparently, which just makes everybody mad at me, which is a fun place to live. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I hear people say, as a matter of fact, I had a good friend of mine. He called me this week and he said, he said, Tommy, don't ever be afraid to preach the truth. He said, don't ever be afraid to preach the truth. And I was like, man, am, am I afraid? And so, like, I've been up at night going, God, am I afraid to preach the truth? And, like, is, is this why I'm, I don't rail on this thing or this thing? Is this why I'm And God's like, I think he clarified, I'm not afraid to preach the truth. What I am afraid of is to be another Christian voice of division inside of a divided Christian community. That's what I'm scared of. That, that, that's what I, you want to know what I fear. You want to know what keeps me up at night is that one day I would stand in front of King Jesus and he would say, hey, I was really, really clear about the whole unity thing. I was really clear about fighting for that. As a matter of fact, I said that way more times than I ever addressed any of your other passionate positions. Why didn't you devote the same energy to that that you did to foster care or anything else? Why was that not as important to you? Because I, I know when I pray, I pray about some of my passionate positions. I do. And maybe you do too. But when Jesus prayed, this is what he said. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. How hard are we fighting for that one, guys? And not very. In the midst of all of our other passionate positions. And maybe I'm wrong. And there, that, I, was, I was wrong in like, I was wrong in 92 about something, and I was wrong in like one time in, in, one time in early 2001. I've been wrong twice. It is possible my approach here is wrong. It's highly possible. Maybe I should come up every Sunday and tell you my political opinion on whatever. On, I mean, maybe you should know where I stand on everything. But, but for me, I can't reconcile that with me living in a world where one of my highest callings is to reconcile people who disagree with each other to one another inside of the same room. Like, this is, what God, this is what God created me to do, to bring together people who probably hate each other out there and, and, and equip them to worship God together and to change the world together in here, and they will have a supernatural unity that's so mysterious, the world will go, this makes no sense, there must be a God. I wish he would have asked me to do something else. There's a million easier things God could have called me to do. You know, I mean, I wish he would just have been like, be a professional tractor driver. Because I was good at that until I literally blew it up the other day. I'm not kidding. The thing blew up. It wasn't my fault, but it's a long story. But this, this, is, this, is, this is what I do. And I, I think it's not just me. And so am, am I afraid? I fear no wrath of man. I don't. As a matter of fact, it's gotten me in so much trouble in my life because I fear no man. But I do fear God. And I fear being a voice that creates more and more division in God's church. I fear that. I fear it. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't be passionate about our positions. Be passionate. 
But never forget that while you are passionately pursuing the issue that you are on, you should always have one eye on the person on the other side of the aisle and be planning on ways to love them and bridge that gap and reconcile them. That while you pursue your position, you never forget about the person who's on the other side because the person is almost always more important than your position. And we can never, ever, ever lose sight. Man, it's so easy to celebrate with people who agree with me, right? I would never, ever watch a Razorback game with an Ole Miss fan, ever. Like, as a matter of fact, I just stuffed my mouth a little. I would never do that. It's easy to celebrate with people who believe what I believe. It's Christ-like to walk across the room and acknowledge the feelings and the emotions of someone who doesn't. It's Christ-like to lower myself, to humble myself, and have conversations and, and listen. Guys, one of the things I, I hunger for deeply is open and honest conversations with people who don't agree with me. I want proximity with people who don't believe what I believe. And so it is fair to, to tell you guys why your pastor doesn't take a side on every political issue. It's because I want proximity with the people on the other side. I have opinions that I value unity above those things. And so as, as, we're, as we're concluding this series on John, man, I just... I encourage you to search your soul about, about how we address each other. I know I've said this so much. Search your soul about, about how we pursue our passionate positions. And again, I'm not saying not to because you were created to pursue that. But never forget there's someone on the other side. And that person has value and worth. And it's our job to bring the two sides together. Jesus didn't come here to pick sides. He came here to take over. And how are we doing on that? It's hard. It's hard. This is not easy, church. <laughs> Believe me, some days I wish it was. And some days, guys, I'm so tempted to just stand up there and tell everybody what they want to hear. I like doing that. Who doesn't like doing that, right? I was at a party uh, last night, and the guy had free snow cones. What a great thing to do, to be the guy standing in the free snow cone booth. I'd love to be the guy who every week just stood up here in the free snow cone booth, right? Everybody likes that guy. But when you're... When you, when you live for an audience of one, you tend to disappoint a lot of men. And I'm okay with that. And what if, I know this isn't possible, it's not possible for humans to do this, but um, that prayer that we just read, that wasn't prayed by a human. That was prayed by the king of the world. That prayer for unity, that was not the prayer of a mortal man. That was the prayer of the king of the world. And so I believe there is going to be unity in this world one day. The, the church is going to unite one day. In spite of our differences, there's going to be unity. And at that point, I will have to answer whether or not I was an agent of creating that unity or whether I stood between Jesus and his prayer with God. And probably the most dangerous place I can think of to stand is between God's prayer with himself. Search your souls, guys. It's his body. And we get to choose whether or not we will play our part in it. Choose wisely. He's the king of the world. He's worth humbling ourselves for. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.